With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, well, there's a reason for playing that song today. In fact, two reasons. The first reason is that gold is undoubtedly what England have discovered with Harry Brook. I mean, he really is paved with gold the way he's playing. And secondly, that singer was not actually Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet. It was, in fact, a former cricketer, Ian Pont, who used to bowl fast for Essex and has also tried out in baseball as a pitcher. And he's the head of the Fast Bowling Academy in the UK. And we've got him on the show in the second half talking about fast bowling and talking about his reinvention as the lead singer of Spandau 2, which is the Spandau Ballet tribute band. And you have to agree, he's pretty good. Anyway, that's coming up a bit later, but going back to Harry Brook, Simon Mann is here, back from his travels to the US, and it's the same story as when you left. <laughs> Dominated by Harry Brook, isn't it? <laughs> Incredible. 315 for three England, Harry Brook, more than half the runs. Incredible. Well, uh, Harry, I mean, Brook, after the last match, said, uh, you know, there were no standout performances in the last Test match, despite the fact that he scored 140 runs. There certainly was a standout uh, performance uh, today. I mean, some wonderful hitting from Brook. And, and he came in in a really difficult situation as well. So it was a, it was a huge test for him, 21 for three. The pitch was greener than Greta Thunberg. Uh, New Zealand thought that they were, you know, going to be right on top in the game. And England, with Root as well, just 
took the match away from them. It was old school, new school, yours, wasn't it? We actually saw some old school batting from Joe Root. I wonder what the coach is going to say to him uh, tonight. You can't bat like that under me. Uh, that is, actually, it was sort of the innings we've been crying out for or calling out for. Root, just play normally. Um, you know, it's, uh, Brooke dominated because he scored 184, but Root made 100 as well. You've been... Thinking about that line, haven't you? Greener than Greta Thunberg. All the way back from California, haven't you? You've had a few hours to, to come up with that. And if I agree with you, actually. The base and reserve was absolutely lush, green, verdant green. And there was plenty in the pitch and England were 20-odd for three. So it was a different sort of performance by both Brook and Root. And actually, I think their resourcefulness and their application was, was impressive. In many ways... All right, Harry Brook is, is is really a remarkable player in, in at such a young age. But this was probably his best innings because the innings he's played in Pakistan, and you know he said that to you, didn't he? When in Pakistan, mm. flat pitches, you, know, you can almost sort of bat in your sleep there. But this was best pitches in the world. He said, "Yeah, best pitches in the world." Not that he's played around the world that much, in fact. But you know, th- this was a different sort of challenge, I, I suppose. In in mitigation, the, the New Zealand attack isn't the best, is it? Really, if we're if we're honest, you know, it's not Cummins, Stark, and uh, you know Josh Hazelwood, but they're good bowlers. Tim Southey looks a little bit tired. There's no Trent Bolt. Matt Henry's a pretty good bowler. He's certainly a very good county bowler. He's done incredible stuff for for Kent, for the likes of Kent in, in county cricket. But at Test level, he's a, a sort of fill-in bowler, I think, and. They didn't have a lot else, really, I felt. So it wasn't the most challenging attack, but not easy conditions, a demanding situation, 20 for three. And the Yorkshireman bailed England out brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think how you characterise the New Zealand attack is, is, is a fair one. And Wagner looks sort of coming towards the end. That tactic of banging in short is not working, certainly not against Brook. Brook just relishing it. And what was interesting in this game as well, Yoz, is that they they dropped a pace bowler and they used Daryl Mitchell as their third stroke fourth seamer and Brook you know, the way when he bowled to Brook it was almost like this bloke's just a trundler I'm going to whack him back over his head and he did that several times I mean it, it was scintillating batting but it was it it it, it was so symptomatic of the way uh, England are playing now you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, but it was almost that sort of element. I don't think I really rate you. I don't, you know, I think I can get on top of you. And it was dismissive. And that, I think that was one of the problems for New Zealand is that, of course, you, on a green pitch, you want to pitch it up. And, of course, you want to try and get a bit of nip. That early nip was there. But once it stopped a bit, you pitched it up. It was just disappearing back over their head. I mean, Brooke did play a couple of extravagant shots. There was one huge drive that went off the inside edge passes stumps and that was a bit of fortune there was a bit of a hack actually but for the most part it was calculated hitting over wide long on and straight back over the bowler's head and yeah you you pitch it up we'll whack it back down the ground you drop it in short we'll whack it to deep back with square leg or, or deep mid wicket or even yeah. wide long on I mean it was yeah that, that, that's a good summing up and actually in a way it sounds simple and actually that's what Brooke is he's quite a simple mm. player he keeps it simple so he, he takes a little step back into the stumps. He doesn't actually get that far forward, but his hands are so good at hitting through the ball. So he really gives bowlers not much length. If it's slightly overpitched, he either drives it beautifully off the front foot or, 
as you say, smashes it back. If it's a sort of medium pace, it smashes it back into the stand straight over their heads with just a sort of punch drive, really. It's not a massive, expansive follow-through. It's just a sort of clean hit. And, and then if you're just fractionally short, he's so quick on the pull shot uh, and, and the cut as well. So it's quite simple, really. It's a, a big drive and a cut and a pull. And, and he does recognise the balls that need to be respected. And, and so he will defend those and he plays it quite late. He seems to have the ability to, to play it late in defence and yet go at the ball when, it's, when he recognises the opportunity to, to attack. So it really is a beautiful sort of method, very simple method. He's going to have times where he nicks off, obviously. The ball hasn't done a huge amount. It hasn't swung much. And there will be times when he goes for that drive and the ball swings a bit late and, and he gets caught. But at the moment, it, it, it look, his bat looks like a blunderbuss. It looks like a barn door. It just it's flying off it in all directions. And I mean, give you a stat here: he's now on eight hundred and seven test runs in nine innings, one of which is uncompleted. So he's still not out. One hundred and eighty-four not out in this innings. Eight hundred and seven runs. So he needs another another one hundred and ninety-three to get to a thousand. And our, our friendly statistician Pushka has said that. If he gets another 193 runs inside this innings and the next two, he will be a world record breaker. He will have scored a thousand runs in Test cricket quicker than anyone in history. At the moment, the record is held jointly by Herbert Sutcliffe and Everton Weeks from the West Indies, who scored their thousand runs, their first thousand runs in Test cricket in 12 innings. Brooke could do it in 11 if he gets another 193 in this innings and the next two. But he'll have to wait a long time, of course, because the next test after this one is until June against Ireland. Hold, hold on, Yoz. He's not out. Oh, yes. He's still not out. Good point. The, uh, is, is Brian Lara's world record on, on offer tomorrow? I mean, that sounds utterly fanciful. I was there for Brian Lara's uh, world record in Antigua. Nothing looked more certain from the time he had about... I don't know, 50, 70, not out. I mean, it's an utterly bizarre thing to say, but he just looked as though he was batting for something absolutely special. It was it was no surprise when he did it and, and eventually went on to make 400 uh, not out. Anyway, Brooks got the shots. He's got the time uh, tomorrow to do something uh, remarkable. He probably, in, in that Lara innings, I, I don't remember Lara me- taking many risks, well, Brooks, he, he, he takes calculated risks, Brooks, so he, he does you know, give the bowler a chance. I mean, it's just a fanciful notion that, that came into my mind, especially with you know, the, this run glut that, that England are in at, at the moment. But fa- fantastic hitting. And, and you know, even if he gets out first thing uh, in the morning or, t- or tonight, our time, you know, he, he's done his job and he's, he's delighted everyone with the, the way he's played. I, it's, it's, it's phenomenal hitting. I mean, it will, it will probably never be as good as this. I mean, how can it be? He scored 403 half centuries in, in nine test innings. It's about as good as it's possible to be. Statistically, I think in, in test match cricket, they're, they're going to be harder times. But he just looks such a talented uh, young player. And if he continues with that you know, dr- drive, determination, desire... Um, you know, then there's so much open for him. Of course, the international circuit can wear you down and there will be difficult times ahead because inevitably there are for, for nearly all players, aren't there? Yeah, uh, no, and the insatiability is a, is a good point. And also the, the, the intelligence, actually. He applied himself at various points in that innings uh, when he recognised that the ball was doing a little bit and the bowler was, was reasonable. 
so it wasn't you know kamikaze or anything. It was it was respectful at times, but he still scored at a run of ball, uh, which which is you know it's, it's it's amazing to watch. He was on, uh, or at least his coach Martin Spate from uh, the Sedba School was on uh, the radio this morning actually talking about him, and apparently uh, his grandmother, his, her house backs onto uh, Harry Brooks Club, Bradford in Bradford, Bradford and Bingley, and. Um, she has all her, he she does all his washing apparently, the grandma and hangs all his shirts out. So when you uh, go onto the to the field, her house and garden backs onto the ground, and she hangs up all his washing. So all his shirts, Brooke, all you know, all his shirts with the name on the back are all hanging out on the line in, in the back garden, just to to remind Target everyone where practice. it comes from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Target practice. Yeah, I suppose perhaps it is. Aim, perhaps yeah. aim for them, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I, has he got any weaknesses? I mean, not obviously at the moment. I would say just one thing. I think that the New Zealanders could have tried bowling with a short extra cover and pitching it up because the trouble is when they pitch it up, he just bunts it back over the bowler's head. So what you could do is put a, a short extra cover on the drive and then push mid off and mid on a bit deeper. So have men on the drive on both sides of the wicket, actually, because he likes to drive on the up. And actually the odd ball just didn't quite come on or the bounce was a little bit higher and he just hit one in sort of fractionally in the air. So I might look at having men on the drive. It might be totally waste of time because he might just bunt it for six. Mm. But I think that's 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 worth exploring. And there was a little bit of extra bounce. Um, before we get to Joe Root, uh, who, of course, you know, scored 100 of his own today, and we almost totally ignored that, uh, England were in trouble initially, and there was a bit of extra bounce in that pitch, which caused the downfall, certainly, of Zach Crawley, playing at one I probably thought he could have left early on. Um, ben Duckett looking a little bit vulnerable outside off stump to that bit of extra bounce. Brilliant catch, a third slip, and Ollie Pope, brilliant delivery, couldn't do anything about it, called a third slip, so, you know, vicious kind of movement away from Matt Henry, who found the right line. Generally, I don't think Henry bowled that well, but early on, he was quite a handful, and England found the going difficult to, to start with. Yeah, it looked as though they were going to be in big trouble, didn't it? You know, 20 for three, 21 for three, whatever it was. You thought, you know, it could be 60 for six on, on that sort of surface anyway. It, it was so green. By lunch, they were 101 for three from 26 overs. So actually reining it back in, you know, scoring under four and over in that morning session. Overall, 4.84 runs per over during a rain-shortened day. I think they might have got it above five, actually, if there hadn't been rain, tiring New Zealand attack and Root and Brook dominating. But yeah, England actually adapting and showing that, yeah, they have got something else in their game and, and particularly Brook today. Just quickly on Henry, Henry back into the side. He hasn't played a match since early January when he played a test match in Pakistan, so perhaps just a bit rusty. And and Wagner and Southie, you know, much, 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 much closer, of course, uh, to the end of their careers than the sort of the prime of their careers. And another difficult day for Wagner. It's not working for him. Bang it in. Not for 101 from 17 overs. And they, they're just so strong on the pull, uh, Brook and Root. I thought... Uh, route today. I remember saying in the last game, in that second innings, uh, yours before he played that reverse sweep against Bracewell before lunch, he just looked as though he was going to knock off a hundred in a hundred and ten balls. Well, today he looked like he was going to score a hundred, but it took him a, you know quite a long time. It was in the one eighties in terms of balls, just to sort of 
an, an old school innings uh, from Root. And I, what, what, what's wrong with that? Uh, it doesn't all... That, I mean, to me, that's his strength. And so play to your strengths. You, you don't have to change much, I don't think. First reverse sweep was when he was on 88 and he hit it for six. I mean, you, know, you still felt at that stage, why, why take the risk? 100 that was there on offer, but he nailed it this time. And he didn't get out like he did in the last, first innings of the last test match. And he, and he got to his 100 with a clip through the onside just before uh, the rain came. And sort of, I don't know, to some extent, put New Zealand out of their misery because there might have been run plundering going on. There was enough run plundering as there was as the day progressed. But there might have been a lot more in the last you know, hour, hour and a half's play or whatever. And, and obvious delight on Root's face there, having mm. had a leanish patch for him anyway, relatively speaking, uh, over the last few few weeks. And good to see that. 29 test hundreds for Joe Root now. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't seem like five minutes ago that he was sort of making his debut. It shows how old we are, really, because I know it was probably 10 years ago. But I was there. Yeah, I was in, there. In, in Nagpur. Nagpur yeah. Does it that was seem a surprise, like, actually. Does it seem like not... Long ago, in a way, nothing seems that long ago. Yours, time speeds up. Yeah. It's, 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 it does, like, doesn't it? it? Yeah, feels like every day lasts about an hour now. <laughs> but <laughs> no. I mean, I was there. I remember in Nagpur when he was called up because it was a surprise. Because I think he came in for Samit Patel. Thought, hold on a second, they're bringing in a batter for a sort of spinning all rounder batter. Uh, is that the right thing to do on Indian pitches? But he, you know, he batted very assuredly in that Test match. He made runs uh, straight away. Looked looked really, you know, he looked the part. I mean, like Brook as well. Brooks looked the part, hasn't he, from from very early on in his Test match career. And England have got two of them now. You know, two sort of gold standard players. It seems to me in in Brook and 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 Root, the yeah. old, the old and the new. Yeah, totally. And just to, to give you a bit of context, twenty nine hundreds is how many that Don Bradman scored as well. Mm. The only difference is Don Bradman <laughs> scored 2,900 in 52 tests, whereas Root has played 129. So it does give yeah. you a, a slight sense of the genius that Bradman was. And I know that I'm sure listeners are going to say, well, he only played basically in Australia and largely, and obviously in England, and the, he only played against South Africa and England. You know, he never went to India or anything like that. Uh, and that is true, but you can only bat against the people that you're offered, can't you? Uh, you can only play the op- the opponents who who are there. So there were there weren't the other nations weren't test playing countries then, or hadn't really started to to visit Australia. So you know that does sh- it does show, doesn't it, how phenomenal Bradman was? Twenty nine hundreds in fifty two tests, eighty innings. He scored a hundred in less than every three innings, and no one else has matched that even close. Yeah, well, yeah, phenomenal. As you, as you rightly say, you know, you can only do what you what you know, you score against uh, what's in front of you, and that's the same for I suppose that's the same for Brook, isn't it? And you were talking earlier about you know, diff- there will be different challenges around the corner. Of course, that that's right. You know, the Australian attack is coming. Is flat pitches in Pakistan actually? But he, he batted so well here, and uh, a New Zealand attack that's not not the most challenging and generally speaking actually pitches in New Zealand are pretty good I thought the last test pitch in Mount Monganoo is a decent uh, pitch for batting and and often it's strange actually in New Zealand the pitches look really green you thought oh this is going to be 60 all out plays 80 all out and they actually play pretty well um, so it, it may well be that this, this game is, is quite challenging it's more challenging than you first think for the bowlers I mean Tim Southey at the toss uh, I mean you look I mean he looked really relieved to win the toss but, I mean, look at the scoreboard now. 300, 
15 for three. Um, you know, again, em- emphatically England's day. But not, perhaps not all lost for New Zealand. They have got this longer batting lineup, and perhaps they can you know, profit as well, despite the, gr- the green-looking conditions. Pitches tend to sort of start very green, and, and actually that green tinge goes as the game goes on as well, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it could get easier. It, it could be a draw, but England don't play draws, do they? Well, they, they don't, don't play, play that way. No. no. Interestingly, no. I, interestingly, um, I, I was at a club dinner the other night, and this guy said to me, uh, "My thirteen-year-old son said, uh, Dad, uh, I love the hundred, but I don't want to go to the hundred anymore. Can we book some tickets for the Test match next year? It looks really exciting. Uh, I don't want to go. I, you know, I'd rather go to the Test match than the hundred. That's the impact that the Stokes yeah. McCullum." era has had I've heard that from two or three sources now in fact I was at a dinner last night and uh, the test match tickets and I'll talk about this a bit more next week actually this was a a dinner for a Rwandan cricket charity because Rwandan cricket is doing quite well especially the females the women who got into the world t20 they didn't get very far but they certainly achieved some incredible things given the lack of resources and the fact that Rwanda really Five years ago, I had no cricket at all. But the um, the charity uh, was raising money for that uh, for that facilities for the facilities in in, in Rwanda to improve them. And, and my, the guy sat next to me actually bid for ten tickets for five days of the Ashes Test at Laws. He bid six grand. So mm. obviously, he's got more money than sense. But at the same time, it shows what the demand is for. Uh, for Test cricket at the moment, the Laws Test match, of course, the Ashes Test match is sold out, and or pretty much, and uh, so are the so are the other venues. So yeah. it, it, it's amazing what the impact of this sort of Stokes McCullum thing has done. Long may it continue. Yeah, um, and um, and I don't think there's anything wrong. We said in the last game as well. We don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the the fact that. Yeah, it is ex- is exciting, but players can play in their own way and flourish in their own way. And I think Root did that today. That was a bit old school, and Brooke, you know, new school, and that's fine. I, I we we said it, didn't we? Root, Stokes, and folks play their way, uh, and the rest can tee off if they if they want to, and they have that get that balance right. And England actually, I thought actually really got that balance uh, right quite a lot uh, today, and they had to dig in and regroup and. It, it, it worked for them. It's, it doesn't all have to be trying to you know thrash it around uh, the whole time. It's still entertaining. There's still that, sort of, that gripping element to it, that great battle that, that Test cricket uh, gives you. The ball doesn't always have to be disappearing for six. Sometimes you do need a 180 ball hundred from Joe Root. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course, there's another big tournament going on at the moment, and that's the Women's World T20 in South Africa. England have done incredibly well, but we're recording this around about the time they're about to play their semi-final against South Africa. So we'll review England's performances and the final, assuming they get there, uh, in the next podcast. So good luck to them today. Obviously, India having lost to Australia, the favourites are going to be very, very tough to beat in that final on Sunday. So meanwhile, we're going to talk now to Ian Pont, who was our guest in World's Best Cricket Club the other night. He is the former Essex fast bowler. He was quick, actually. He got it up to 90 miles an hour. He also had an absolutely bullet throw as well and famously ran out people from the boundary with that throw right into the keeper's gloves. And he then became a fast bowling coach, running now the National Fast Bowling Academy and has had a lot of influence on a lot of fast bowlers over the years. And we'll come to his reinvention as a singer, as part of the Spandau 2 tribute band, in fact, the lead singer of that band in a bit, uh, to find out how that all came about. But first, I thought we'd talk about fast bowling. And he has this great mantra, this philosophy about that you can't be a fast bowler without the four tent pegs, which are the four positions that you need to have to be able to release a, a fast delivery. He'll talk about that. And also, he has this phrase, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe meaning that you need a stable base, i.e. not a canoe, to fire a a real Thunderbolt-type delivery. And that's why you need those four tent pegs as positions, as stable positions in the approach to fast bowling. He's a very interesting character, Ponty, actually. And the first thing I, I asked him was how close to a perfect bowling action has Jimmy Anderson, who, of course, has now gone back to being number one ranked bowler in the world. How close is his action to perfection? Um, There's a couple of things. I mean, if you, if you look at his action technically, he, he's got a mixed action, which means that his bottom half does one thing, his top half does something completely different. So it looks like he's open at the top and he's closed at the bottom. So it's a mixed action. So technically it's a mixed action. And there, there would be a great temptation as a coach to dive in and say, no, 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 you need to change that. And this is where I think uh, S&C and fitness has helped him greatly because... If you're going to create talk and stresses in your body, you do need Joshua to be. Archer has been the. You need to be fit enough to handle those forces, and I think Jimmy's really looked after himself, and and he, he's an absolute magician with a cricket ball. But action-wise, you know, there's some things that he could do better. But once you've got those movement patterns in, once you've got, if that's how you bowl, it's very very churlish for a coach to come and say, "Well, you shouldn't do it that way." Um, we're always looking to be effective and efficient. And if, if there are better ways to do something, you'd, you would say to, like, if I was working with Jimmy Anderson, it'd be a waste of time at 40, wouldn't it? But if I was working with him, I would, and he's probably seen it a thousand times, I'd say, these, these, this is your action. This is, this is your arm path. This is what you do. Forget your wrist for a second. This is what you do. If you did these things, you'd probably get, find a bit more pace and you'd find easier pace. The question would be, does he want to do that? Does he want to do it? If he doesn't want to do it, I mean, I heard the interview with Chris Wokes. Chris Wokes has got a great bowling action. Technically, he's he's the closest I've seen in, the, in England colours. He's the closest. This kind of real beautiful flowing action. He bowls within himself. 
Mm. I mean, you, you I, almost when I say, well, you could find another five, six, seven miles an hour if you really tried. Does he want? I don't know. You'd have to ask that, him that question. So, intervention's interesting as a coach. And in fact, um, what one of the things Anderson does, of course, is he looks down at the ground, doesn't he, when he lets go of the ball and always has done. Yeah. I mean, is that is that something you would try and coach out of somebody? Well, no, not really. If you give the, the fundamental position, I mean, he's in he's in the four tent pick positions as as I know it, and and he links them in his style. Um, Ideally, you'd want someone to put their chin on off stump when they bowl and to keep it there so that they become a fielder as soon as possible. But the head's the heaviest part of your body. So once it goes down, you're you're following it. As long as his long as his momentum is towards the target, you're okay. He does go down a bit sideways because he's ro- he rotates around himself, but he ends up in his own railway track, albeit a little bit sideways. But you can't argue with the outcome. I mean, it's just sensational. So that I think he's learned to just bowl like that, and it suits him. I mean, the danger is to unpick that or to unravel it and then realise that actually he probably couldn't get there. England's ideal attack. I mean, who can you see Anderson and Broad carrying on? And I guess they need augment, augmentation with pace of Wood or Archer. Do you, do you see that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I didn't think Jimmy would be. I didn't think we'd be talking about J- Jimmy at the age of forty, topping the chart. So you know, that's. I think everything's out the window at the moment. Um, the guy, the guy looks like he wants to keep going. Um, he's number one ICC ranked bowler in the world, isn't he? Now he's number one. I mean, last year, twenty twenty two. I just had a quick look. England used across all formats nineteen fast bowlers, and that didn't include Archer. So he's he's twenty. And the list is extensive um, and there are quite, and, and, and a lot of it is coming, this new concept of, of you know, Matthew Mott's come in, they've changed the coaching structures, they brought people in you didn't expect, they've switched around. I mean, the, the whole thing has been kind of thrown up in the air. There seem to be so many more opportunities to play for your country um, and less less time spent in county cricket to prove your worth and just go out and, you know, bowl it in the right area and hit some cricket balls. But in terms of Anderson and Broad, I mean, we are we are witnessing the greatest pairing of all time. I mean, I don't think there's anywhere else to go with that, not just statistically, but the fact that longevity, it's just remarkable. So I don't know what we do. I'd, li- I'd like to see Archer and Wood. I'd like to see them both fit and firing because I think pace unravels the best. Ollie Robinson has been a revelation for me. He's done a great job. I thought Matty Potts did really well last year. You know, he kind of hasn't really featured that much this year. Um, There's a lot of white ball bowlers knocking around who possibly would would have a look at the test side. But I think England have got a little bit of time, but they'll be doing succession planning in that changing room. You know that. They'll be sitting down and saying, who are the next cabs off the rank and what have we got coming through? Definitely. um, When you coach young bowlers now, what do you um, emphasise as important to them, apart from the technical part, yeah. the actual bowling part? I guess, you know, have you brought in back of the hand, slower balls, um, or wobble seam deliveries? Is that all part of your record? Yeah, yeah we, we, absolutely. We in fact did that last weekend. Um, we have to do that. I mean, you know, you, you can bowl it in the right area, which is great. The ball's got to do something, you know, otherwise you're just doing throwdowns, aren't you? So if, if you've got a brand new ball in your hand, you want to shape it. So first things first, can you swing it? Second thing first, if you can't swing it, can you seam it? If the pitch is flat, can you vary it? You know, I always say top of off stump, bouncer, yorker. If you master those three, you'll have a career in the game because all you do is you vary those at speed and you've got six deliveries or more, but you keep the batsman guessing. 
And T20, what I was talking about for a second, that's just become how much pace can you take off the ball? But interestingly, Mark Wood in the World Cup bowled a spell, all 24 balls over 90 miles an hour. So he didn't bowl a slower ball at all. And he was used as a battering ram. So it depends on what people are trying to do. But we say to the kids, get a box of tricks. You know, however awkward your action is, because not everybody that we coach is going to be a superstar. We get, we understand that. But have they got a box of tricks they can take out on a, on a, on a club second team game on a weekend and just pick up a few more poles so the, the, the team are winning more? Well, he's a restless sort of character, Ian Pont, actually, and not satisfied with that total immersion in the art and science of fast bowling. He's now also converted himself into a lead singer in this tribute band, Spandau 2. And I was interested to know how that all came about. So uh, it, it's a strange thing because I, uh, I stopped playing cricket a couple of years back. Um, I was still playing club cricket into my 50s and um, uh, I played England over 50s. And once that had happened, I thought, well, there's not a lot left for me to do. I don't want to be playing cricket on Saturdays. And I, I needed to find kind of something else to fill the gap, as it were. And going right back to school, I was head chorister at school all those years ago. And in the cars going to cricket matches with Essex and, you know, driving around the country to just sing, you know, what it's like. You sing to the to the tracks. It's the 80s. And these sorts of songs were on Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet and all those. And I used to love that stuff. So um, what I did was when I stopped playing cricket a few years back, I got into, thought, well, I'll, I'll go to my local community choir. <laughs> You don't have to audition for any of that at all. You just basically turn up and sing. Unfortunately for, for me, I fitted in really, really well. So I did the local community stuff. Then as it went along, they started to give me a few more solos because I could sing. And then in the end, I did more and more solos and more and more solos. And, and by the end of it, all, I thought um, I could probably do a little bit more with my vocals. So I went and had it recorded professionally. The chat that is now, now a friend of mine. We write music together now, but the chap who recorded it, he said to me, actually, you've got a really decent vocal, good recording voice. You sound a little bit like Tony Hadley. <laughs> a little bit like him. I said, well, it's funny you should say that. So uh, here we are. So I'm a, I'm a tribute to to Spandau 2, T-O-O, they're called. Um, who, we are the UK's leading Spandau Ballet tribute. And I've, I've met Tony Hadley, and that was a great thrill to meet him. And he's heard our, our singing and... A few of the band members and Spandau follow us on social media. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind. But it started off on in choirs, and it was purely to fill some time after cricket, to be honest. I must say, I love stories about cricketers' reinventions, the way they find alternative means of income in retirement. And this is brilliant, actually. And Ponty can be seen at the Half Moon in Putney, amongst other venues, which is a great venue for, for live music and does a lot of tribute bands. He's performing on the 17th of March there with his band Spandau 2. And he's also got a new single out as well, or a single, I should say, uh, which has a sort of James Bond sort of sound to it. It's being released in the next week or two. It's called Dying Like Tomorrow. Here's a little bit of it. I'll play out with that. And just to say... Good luck to England, particularly in the Women's World T20, and we'll be back on Sunday to review their performances in the final if they get there. See you then. Don't want to give you up But all I'm hearing is maybe Seems you're all out of love Don't leave me all alone crazy Please don't break my soul we're so good together, only you can see me, please don't take that 
Social Podcast Network.